bear with us. Uh, it's, um, it's not easy for any of our guests today uh, to, to, be, to be doing this, um, living uh, under the most appalling situations. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll be talking to all three shortly, but Bazard, for instance, was just telling us that he hasn't had any electricity since this morning. Well, I'm afraid, as we all know, right across Gaza and the occupied territories, uh, not having electricity, not having basic uh, public services uh, is unfortunately part and parcel of people's daily existence. Uh, but we really wanted to bring our three guests to you today so they could tell us what the situation really is for Palestinians in Gaza. And we wanted to talk to them about the situation and how it could best be resolved. And, and on this day, just worth mentioning, perhaps before I do introduce our guests, that this is a day in which um, President Cyril Ramaphosa of South Africa has been, issued, uh, has been interviewed by France 24 and has uh, said in very, very strong and uncertain terms the situation in occupied Palestine is deeply reminiscent of the worst periods of apartheid in South Africa. So if President Cyril Ramaphosa of South Africa can say that Israel is practicing apartheid, then I think we can be pretty clear that Israel is practicing apartheid. You're not interested in any sermons from me, but I wanted so to move on and to introduce our guests. And uh, firstly, I'd like to introduce Raid Shakshak. And Raid is a Palestinian activist and writer. Hi, Raid. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, he's an outreach coordinator for We're Not Numbers. And he's, a pas he's passionate about the arts of storytelling and public speaking. And he's constantly engaged in youth empowerment activities and opportunities. And Raid likes to focus on matters that most people don't pay attention to. Uh, such as uh, animals and symbolic little details. You're a man after my own heart, right? I try to pay attention to symbolic things that few people are interested in. I'm always interested in things, and, and I think we've got to be really passionate about those things that we love and we're very interested in. And um, I'd like to also then uh, move on, if I may, to introduce Hala Shoman. Uh, Hala is a, a dentist, a social anthropologist, as well as a human rights activist. And since 2012, He's volunteered in different fields related to youth empowerment, health and gender-based violence. And Halla also is a regular demonstrator and volunteer paramedic and surgical assistant during the Great March of Return. Uh, she wants to see a future where we all live and, and where everybody lives without occupation, discrimination and injustice. And if I may introduce Bazad and Bazad is a medical doctor from Gaza. He studied Masters of Child and Adolescent Mental Health at King's College in London in the UK. And now he's working as a mental health doctor at the Gaza Community Mental Health Programme, a well-known NGO working in the field in Gaza. I'm Mark Seddon and I used to be the Al Jazeera correspondent at the United Nations and I subsequently went on to work for the United Nations. I worked for the Secretary General Ban Ki-moon and for the former President of the General Assembly, Maria Fernanda Espinosa. I've taken a long interest in issues of Palestine, the question of Palestine, the United Nations calls it, um, and I think a lot of people are looking out there and hoping that UN interventions too can help bring um, a permanent settlement and an end to the occupation of Palestine. So thank you all three of you yet again for joining us. We're very, very grateful. Um, 
Right, if I might, um, I wanted to turn to you just first of all. I know all three of you are in Gaza, but I think it's very difficult for us elsewhere in the world to truly understand what it's like to live under a military bombardment. Can you tell us what life is like in Gaza right now? Yes, sure. It is my pleasure. Uh, first, thank you so much for having us here with you. And thank you so much for trying your best to, ampl to amplify Palestinian voices from Gaza. Um, unfortunately, uh, I wish I could say this is our first war. It's not. Um, this is our fourth war. We had the first one 2008, the second one 2012, the third one 2014. And right now, the year is 2021. And um, unfortunately, we are experiencing these problems again on daily basis. Um, all of this has started um, 10 days ago. Uh, the war started, uh, we've been getting bombed every single day from the morning till the night. It doesn't even stop at night. They just keep uh, starting, they keep going, they keep bombing us. So for instance, you would be sitting at home and um, you know, in addition to the crisis of losing internet, losing water, losing uh, power. And uh, you know, during these days, um, we barely actually get power. So you don't actually uh, know what is exactly going on all the time. But here's the deal, putting it at home, assuming you are safe, but actually you're not, because let's face it, no Palestinian in Gaza under attack is safe, like even if you're at home. And out of nowhere, you're gonna be hearing those strong sounds of performance and they're gonna be going out of nowhere. If you are living in a building like I am, you're gonna feel the building is shaking and which is really scary. Like if you are sitting on your bed or if you are just sitting like on, on a sofa or whatever, you're gonna feel that shaking. So basically you're gonna freak out. So you, you need to take action at this point because you're not only responsible for yourself, you're responsible for everyone in your family and everyone around you. Like for example, you gotta be aware of the fact that you need to open the windows so that when that problem takes place, that the, the glass doesn't break and it doesn't hurt you, it doesn't hurt your family. You need to pay attention to your kids, to, to your parents, the old people, the women, because those are the people who actually get scared the most. So um, the situation at night here, if I may add, um, people here in Gaza don't sleep at night, uh, which is a fact. This really performance, this zero airplanes keep striking 24-7, especially at night. Uh, this started in Ramadan, and during Ramadan, they would attack at the time when the family gathers together to have iftar or suhoor. And this is actually a habit, a dirty habit, if I may, so inhumane that they actually do every single time they attack us. After Ramadan, we had Eid, of course, there was no Eid in Gaza. They would be bombing people like wherever they are. Like even if they were like in a moving car, they would bomb them. If they were sitting together, like in the street, they would bomb, bomb them everywhere. So basically they would be bombing after midnight. That, that's when they actually extensively bomb Gaza. And uh, unfortunately we get terrified because when you lose power and you are like in the middle of the darkness and all you can see is the Gaza of Gaza lighting up in red and they're like warplanes are flying and they're making all the noise and you already feel the war, but there is absolutely nothing that you can do. And uh, these performance actually would start after midnight. They would keep going till the morning. 
and the, the people of the Gaza Strip actually started to get used to that. So like they would actually not sleep at night, but we actually got to the point where the Israeli warplanes would not bomb us at the beginning of the night, they would bomb us at the end of the night, in the morning, when we are totally exhausted, when we really want to sleep, we've been working all day long, we didn't sleep at night, the time of the morning where we are supposed to take some rest, that's when they would bomb us so hard. This happens every single day. And this is how I woke up today. I woke up to the sounds of these performance, just like I've been doing for the past 10 days. So, right. I mean, for, for people who are, are tuning in from around the world, I mean, it is the case that when it comes to Gaza for many years now, uh, people haven't been able to leave Gaza unless they're given permission by the Israelis and they can't um, go to Gaza unless they're given permission. Um, and Gaza um, is, of course, one of the most uh, populated parts of the world, densely populated parts of the world. I think it's something like the third most densely populated. I mean, quite extraordinary, the concentration of civilians. And on top of this, we have this um, intensive aerial bombardment. So, I mean, you were just telling us there what it's like to wake up to this horrific sound and, 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 and to see the carnage around you. But what about basic supplies? I mean, what about basic supplies of food and, and water? Um, and of course, we're already having issues. I think um, uh, you've had some issues with your electricity just now. I mean, to tell us something about the most basic, uh, you know, it, the most basic needs of life. Yeah, okay, uh, so definitely here uh, nowadays, you know, with wars going on, uh, for instance, if you want to think about water, we get water for two to three hours every three or four days. And that means when power comes on, you got to use your water motor to actually fill the water tanks. And during this time, you actually overwhelmed with so many things that you got to do simultaneously. You got to be doing laundry. You can do that. You got to uh, take, uh, like, you got to be working, for instance. Like for me, as a citizen journalist, I should be working. I should be telling the truth about what's happening here in Gaza. I should be representing Gaza. But at the same time, I'm being overwhelmed with the power cuts. Uh, when I get to three to four hours a day of power, that's a very limited amount of power that I get. During this time, like, I would want to charge all my devices just to make sure that I don't run out of battery. I would be recharging my uh, power bank and I would realize that a lot of people are freaking out, like uh, the depression is increasing. And it, it got me to actually to the point where I feel like I can't actually go to a market if there is any market uh, to actually get food and supplies. So at the meantime, I want you to understand that uh, people are depending on canned food, frozen food, because uh, people cannot go to markets. We don't have markets at the meantime because it's so dangerous to actually have a, a market at the meantime. Uh, when you talk about like th this point, it's really related to another point that I want to get to it, uh, which is the fact that we're talking about a huge number of people who actually evicted their homes at the meantime. So no one's actually going to be worrying about water when they have already affected their home. So if you talk about what happened here uh, in the past 10 days, talking about 48,000 Palestinians, this is a report by the UN, by the way, who had to leave their homes and they actually headed to shelters. And when I say shelters, I'm not talking about some shelters we have in Gaza for protection because we don't have that. I'm talking about the UN schools, which mm. by the way, are also under the strikes and they're also are not safe at all, and also always threatened. So uh, at the meantime, I mean, it would be, and forgive me for saying this, it would be really ridiculous for me to be complaining about having water cuts 
at the same time that my people is being murdered at the same time my people is literally being massacred mm. and like i feel like like i would be totally insensitive to talk to the world about oh i didn't have power today while there are like uh as i said 48000 palestinians who actually are homeless at the meantime Mm. So, yeah, I, I mean, I know we're talking about things, small things. I know they really, really matter. Well, they're, they're, but they're I, big, right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, if I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I want to, because Hala is cutting in and out, I wanted to, if she's still there, I wanted to go to you, Hala, if yeah. I may, and to ask you, um, you know, what is the situation where you are? And also, um, if you can tell us something about, you know, how buildings and people are being targeted and if there's any difference this time to what happened the last time uh, Gaza was under attack. Hi Mike, thank you for having us. Um, sorry for the internet cut, uh, there were so many bombardments around the area and we had electricity and the internet um, down. Uh, we had to use um, uh, a battery, so we had the internet, but I might get cut in, in any time. I don't know. Uh, the situation is um, horrible and terrifying everywhere around Gaza Strip um, since the beginning of the aggression. Um, it's a continuation of the aggression that have been going since 1948 by the Israeli uh, colonial uh, apartheid state. However, it gets more uh, aggressive and aggressive with time. Uh, we've been under continual um, missiles and um, airstrikes with um, many warplanes um, since more than a week now. Many people have been killed um, uh, and murdered and massacred. Uh, whole families, more than 13 families now, are all wiped because they were bombarded while they were sleeping in their houses, um, safe, uh, looking for safety. Um, so, um, uh, around 65 children have been killed until uh, when um, um, and it, just near me, uh, like five minutes walking from me, a friend of mine was killed with her husband, um, um, three ch uh, two children, uh, Mariam, who's three years old, Zaid, who's um, five years old. They were all massacred with um, a, a huge missiles that, that showered over their building at 2 a.m. while they were sleeping, uh, looking for a little bit of uh, a the neighborhood and uh, they all died however Mariam years old the child is still missing we don't know where exactly her body is it just vanished mm. um so uh is very aggressive it's more aggressive than I can't say that it's more aggressive or I don't know but it's very severely aggressive especially because the Israeli army started bombarding um, the residential uh, huge towers from the beginning, which was their problem uh, from the last, uh, the last 2014. They said they would ex start exactly from the end uh, they finished and they fulfilled their promise. They started from residential buildings, they started from massacring whole families, then 64 child while uh, while being terrified from the uh, from the uh, occupation, most of those, uh, those children were actually traumatized and having um, a trauma treatment because of the whole continuous aggression of the of the of the last years. However, now they're killed. They're just is, uh, unimaginable. Um, and I'm just thinking about the older generation in in this country who lived through the bombings of the in the in the Second World War. 
um, when the when British cities were bombed, um, it didn't happen every single day and every single night. But look, before I, I we're getting a number of people sending in their their messages to you. Um, let me just go through some of them. Salam, uh, Carol Kizam says, Salam from Malaysia. Um, we have solidarity from London. Noor Alwata says that. Um, and uh, we have uh, uh, Lindsay Hill has sent this. I just because there's solidarity actions are happening all over the world, which you'll know about. You will have seen that the Italian dockers who refuse to load those ships full of weapons. Well, in Britain, uh, it's just been announced in the past few minutes, the fire brigades uh, union, which represents firefighters. Uh, it's it's released a statement and they said they're refusing to cooperate with police operations to remove Palestine action activists from the roof of an arms factory that exports arms to uh, Israel in Leicester in England. So, um, you know, there, there, there are solidarity actions yes. happening around the globe. You, you know about that. But I just wonder if uh, one more question, Halle, before I, I move on. Um, I mean, can, can you can you tell us something about the situation in 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 the hospitals in Gaza? I mean, we've had mention of UN facilities that have been hit and schools have been hit. What's the situation in in the hospitals? The situation in the hospital is terrible. Um, uh, so many um, uh, casualties are arriving to to hospitals more than our capability of um, you know um, our capacity. Um, then uh, we're understaffed. We don't have enough number of staff to support all those numbers. We don't have enough operation rooms. We don't have enough beds for the multiple. Like if we uh, we had two hundred in the Shifa Hospital, the main hospital, we have only hundred and fifty number of beds. However, the casualties that arrive on average day are more than 500. So we don't even have beds for those who are uh, injured. We don't have enough staff to uh, to take care of them, triage them, and um, um, emergency dealing with them. Uh, the only way to deal with uh, the huge number of casualties and the complex um, um, nature of these um, injuries um, is to do the emergency just needed things. Uh, so to stop the bleeding or something. However, they are very situations. They need the trauma uh, trauma professional uh, surgeons. They need maxillofish, um, reconstructive surgeons, plastic surgeons, um, um, uh, orthopedics, and um, other very complicated surgeries uh, uh, for them. Uh, there are different injuries. We're facing crushed injuries because most of the people who are coming come after their residential place where they're sleeping or hiding uh, is uh, have collapsed over uh, over them, like eight um, um, eight tower, eleven or twelve or whatever. They're all crashed together, so we would find them uh, with a crushed injury, a amputation, penetration injuries for abdomen and chest, multiple sharpened injuries uh, in children, in elderly, in women, in, in men, in everyone. Uh, we have head traumas, uh, and we have ex uh, excessive bleeding and people who bleed for hours before our capability to, to reach them. Because there's two issues that uh, the paramedic facing, 
the first one is that the main hospitals or in Gaza, um, uh, the Israeli army is attacking the streets and residential areas around them with airstrikes. So the ambulances wouldn't be able to go and pick people or to come back from the streets because they're... The second issue is that Israeli army, uh, colonial army, before bombarding the, those residential buildings where people are living and staying, they would bombard the streets around them. Then they would bombard those, uh, those uh, buildings. So when the ambulances try to go there and rescue them, they wouldn't be able. And when they go, they would find people uh, under 10 crashed 10 floors of, uh, uh, of the house. They will try to reach them. Some um, uh, um, other friend of mine, whose name is Dua, um, was uh, in one of those buildings at the main uh, city of Gaza. And uh, she, she stayed for more than 12 hours with her family under the, the rebels of their building. Uh, they found her after 12 hours. It was her, her husband uh, and her three kids, uh, eight and also years old. The four of them were found dead. However, her only third child, whose name is Aziz, and he's only 11, is protected by the body of his dead father for more than 12 years alone, crying, and he found severely, also severely injured, but happily he's, he's now getting better after having operations. It, so um, this is not also, sorry. Um, no, I'm just saying this, it's absolutely shocking, shocking to hear this, so appalling. And I'm just wondering, you know, uh, what about medical supplies, extra aid getting in, the, the Red Crescent? I mean, I, is that getting through or, or is that being blocked at the border with Gaza, Israel? What's happening there? Okay, uh, uh, first of all, uh, to highlight the situation, there were more than 22 uh, medical uh, institutions have been bombarded directly, so they were damaged. Uh, to be honest, by the Israeli army's aggression. Uh, the main hospital for COVID testing center have also been bombarded. So we don't have any ability to test people. Uh, many countries are trying to send us medical aid because we're, under, uh, we're understaffed, under-equipped, under, um, um, we're zero stock. Um, uh, we don't have enough material with all of this number of casualties, more than uh, 1,500. However, the Israeli allowing them to get in. Borders are, um, uh, you know, all Gaza is in, uh, under siege since uh, 2000, um, around 2006 uh, and seven. So for around 15 years, it's closed. And now they're uh, uh, the entrance of the medical equipment, medical personnel, and anyone who's trying to help. Uh, something have entered from WHO, but this is not enough at all in comparison uh, to crimes and the number of casualties and the needs. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if I might actually go to you, Bazard. You've been very patient and thank you. But um, and I can actually hear that the the sirens either behind you or, 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 or you know, we're hearing we're hearing the sounds behind you. We can we can get some idea of what uh, having Hala having explained the situation, some ideas of what might be happening. But Bazard, tell us about the um, mental health issues. Of, of people, I mean, you, to get to live through this bombardment that's gone on for days now, and see the death and destruction around. What is the situation 
Um, what is the situation with people? How are they coping? And, and, and what, are, what are the effects of pe on people's mental health, do you think? Okay, thank you, Mark. Um, and thank you for everyone all over the world who is supporting us and standing for solidar with solidarity with us. Um, Mark, to, to answer your question, I'm going to illustrate briefly about the population of Gaza. Um, Gaza is a very small area. It's part of the occupied Palestinian territories. Its base is 360 square kilometers. More than 2 million people are living there right now. 50% um, of them are under the age of 18. This means that 1 million people are children. Um, and you hear the ride, you hear the hala. Imagine, the, imagine all of this happening to 1 million children. In, in a very small besieged area. Um, so I think it is not surprising, um, or let me say it's an evidence to reality that Gaza has been living a mental health crisis for the past two decades now. Um, and it's, and it's, it's really shocking um, that this has been happening for almost 20 years now and no like strong, or significant intervention has been done to Palestinians uh, in Gaza. Uh, Gaza has been under complete uh, blockade since 2006. Uh, it's closed from air, land, uh, and sea. Um, there was massive travel restrictions. Gaza have been through a severe, uh, numerous escalations in 2008, 2012, 2014, and now this is a very massive one. In 2021, um, people here are living under a very harsh living conditions. Um, Gaza is one has a record day of people living under the line that is the highest all over the world. Um, in 2018, more than 56% of Gazan population living under the line. Um, in terms of mental of mental health issues. Um, a report published by the Save the Children in 2018 stated that almost 70% of school children in Gaza have um, a marked psychological distress. Um, this this includes depression, uh, nightmare and terrors, uh, anxiety, anger, need to be isolated. Uh, so it's... it's in the very simple words, it's a mental health crisis that what Palestinians in Gaza are living um, are, uh, right now. Um, but this, uh, and this, it is a very, very like, very unique and special during time of times of, of escalations, because as it said, um, you like the adult are supposed to be the strong, you are unable to, to be safe yourself but you're supposed to pretend this role in front of your family, in front of your kids, in front of, uh, of your nieces. Um, you know, I'm a medical doctor and I've studied child mental health. I'm working with, uh, in my uh, right position, current position, I'm working with the children. Um, and I have this case, it was a very active, promising 17-year-old teenager, female, uh, she, she came to my clinic one month ago uh, with a complaint of recurrent uh, thoughts and obsessions about death as a result of COVID pandemic. So a part of our, uh, our work is what we call talk therapy. So I, from session to session, I was talking with her 
um, is convincing here that all of the evidence available from all over the world that you, you don't have any comorbid diseases, you are in a safe age, the, the, death, the death risk for you is very, very minimal. But I was thinking about this girl right now because I achieved like a very good progress with her in, in, in treating her uh, death thoughts initially. But what if she came after this escalation ends and asked me with complaints of death as a result of bombardment? Yes. What? Yeah, um, I, I, I myself, I don't know how to answer uh, to answer she or to answer her um, because um, no one is safe. Uh, you, 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 this is this is the very like harsh reality. But there, no, no one is safe. There is no guarantee in safety. Um, I, I can't tell you what I'm going to, to to do after two hours. What I'm going to do tomorrow. Um, so I think I'm going to be like to lie or to cheat here to, to tell that everything is going to be fine. Um, I can't imagine myself doing this. So this is, uh, I hope this is a very brief description about um, the current mental health uh, for the general population in Gaza and for children, you can imagine how it would be massive because the children have less defense mechanism, are less able than adults to tolerate all of this, to deal with this. Um, you have seen, I think you have seen uh, many videos from uh, children in areas of bombardment uh, that were crying, were shouting, were desperate, were staring, were uh, isolated. Uh, and you know the problem, uh, uh, this is that our children ask, keep asking why. Why is this happening? What's wrong with, my, uh, with myself to face all of this uh, dangerous, uh, this dangerous life? You know, as a child, the world is limitless for you. You don't have any boundaries. And when you are grow up, in, uh, there's enforced boundaries in you um, in form of killing, in form of bombardment. Um, to, you start questioning your, yourself about your life. Um, do I need this life or not? This is a very, very hard to say, oh, but this, no, is, the, no, this, uh, this is, is our reality. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, for many, many years, people have remarked about Gaza being perhaps the world's biggest open air prison. Um, and, and, and the way that you're explaining uh, what it is like in Gaza now and for young people is immensely powerful. Um, we see so many images. And of course, in recent years, we've seen many terrible images also from Syria. Uh, and we're seeing them now from Gaza and young people. Um, but what makes it so powerful is when you actually talk about an example and the example there of the young woman who came to you as a patient with fears of dying and you putting that, that her fears to rest, but then she faces this new reality around her is truly, truly shocking because you just mentioned um, the pandemic. I mean, the rest of the world is transfixed by the pandemic um, and we're kind of, almost forgetting that in, when it came to Israel-Palestine, Israel vaccinated everybody in Israel, but it didn't vaccinate the Palestinians, uh, the people it occupies and is responsible for. And on top of that, the people it occupies and is responsible for, it's dropping bombs on right now. And so it is, it's, immense, it's immensely, immensely powerful. And we have got uh, a question, this has come from Alan Madison, um, and I'm going to put it to you, Bazard. Um, Alan says, uh, are there people on the ground logging possible war crimes? Are they recording 
possible war crimes? Is that taking place? Collecting evidence? Yeah. Um, my answer uh, is this, like, in my opinion, I don't think that it is need like people on the ground to record this because it's all seen in the media. It's all now seen on the social media. It's obvious. It cannot be hidden, but it just need like a firm action, a courage action to admit that this is happening. And um, I think uh, an example of this, a gold distant report after 2008-2009 war, he he stated that that Israel has committed our crimes and possible crimes against the humanity in its assault in Gaza. What's happened? Nothing. Mm-hmm. So, so um, um, I, I'm not like pessimistic, but this is the reality. Uh, people, I, I believe that there are a lot of courageous, uh, uh, courage like journalists, photographers who take very, very terrifying and uh, hard photos and videos that that maybe. Uh, you can, I don't know if you hear bombardment or not, but they uh, caption uh, uh, very hard videos and photos that may be uh, considered as war crimes, and they go, they are going to publish it, like what's happening in in, uh, in the Great March of Returns, what's happening in 2014, what's happening in 2012. But they, we are publishing, but we are missing the firm and courage action to set people who are doing this accountable. I, I'm sure that that frustration and anger uh, is reflected um, right across the occupied territories. The international uh, lack of action, if you like. I understand the International Criminal Court is talking about uh, proper investigations, and I know there's resistance from some countries. Um, but it's also the case, we, we will, by the way, just to mention this on Monday, be interviewing uh, Mr. Jan Kavan, who's a former president of the UN General Assembly has been very clear that there are war crimes being committed, and he will say so quite publicly on Monday. Um, it all may help. Um, Raid, uh, if I can come to you and you can uh, hear me, I know you've got your hand up, and I was genuinely coming to you. Um, by the way, just I just want to I... comment. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, I just want to comment on the situation when it comes to the press, the journalists. Yes. Um, the fact, the fact is, uh, like. The whole world right now is protesting in so many countries and so many cities around the world, and everyone is standing with Palestine. People are going out and they're chanting "Free, Free Palestine." People are uh, using the right hashtags, guns under attacks, Sheikh Jarrah, Free Palestine," all of that. The reason all that is happening is because yes, we Palestinians are doing our best to document everything that's going on right here. But at the same time, I would like to make it clear that not even journalists are safe. I mean, if a journalist goes out and he's holding his camera or like if whether he's going live or he's just documented that with photos and videos they are always targeted and the fact is just a few hours ago like this day i woke up to the news of a palestinian journalist his name is yusuf abu hussein he was killed just today he is a palestinian journalist and the fact is israel when they were bombing these towers in gaza they were focusing on those towers that have media offices this way uh, they actually are trying to silence us. 
Like they're trying to kill the journalists so that journalists will be uh, really afraid to go out to document and take action. They're actually trying to silence us, the activists, by, uh, you know, using uh, like the bombardments to actually slow down our internet, to, uh, power, uh, to cut the power so that we wouldn't be able to be live like we are right now with you and to speak about the situation. So I think that, uh, yes, the whole world is taking action right now because of the bravery that the Palestinians have been showing, especially this year, this war, as everyone has got their smartphone and everyone's able to take photos and videos and everyone's, be, everyone's able to go live and to actually speak to the world. And from my personal experience, and I'm sorry for talking too much, but uh, not only we are not numbers have we been doing this, but also we are not numbers have been witnessing tens and probably even hundreds of Palestinian activists talking about use like me, using the English language and other languages as well to go live on instagram on facebook on youtube on so many other platforms and they are talking to other people and they are telling human stories like i am right now right here with mm -hmm. you then i knew the story of the palestinian journalist yusuf abu hussein like even yes. though he this is, is a, this is a very right this is very very powerful that is news it's news for all of us uh, and thank you for bringing it to the world's attention um we all we did see of course the military attacks on the uh, Al Jazeera Associated Press and other news organizations building. Many of my former colleagues at Al Jazeera know that building very, very well uh, and have been absolutely appalled by what has happened. There's been some very, very strong reaction from the Foreign Press Association in New York, from media organizations right across the world. Muted responses from many governments, very not much from the British government when, when journalists are being attacked. You would have thought at least they might be concerned about media organizations if they don't seem to be particularly concerned about civilians but that's what we are seeing um and it's uh, but your point is a very powerful one uh the news and the reality is being brought to us by people such as your brave selves who have come on and when the mainstream media was caught out and this is what i was going to ask you about next actually uh if i may ride because what we saw very interestingly a few days ago was an announcement by the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, that they were on the verge of, uh, of a ground invasion of Gaza. And this was faithfully reported by mainstream media organizations around the world, including the Washington Post, newspapers that and broadcasting corporations that had this great pride in being very independent and powerful organizations, but they had been duped, quite deliberately duped and they didn't have journalists on the ground. They didn't have journalists on the ground. Associated Press might have, Al Jazeera, main, others in Gaza, but the Washington Post didn't have a journalist in Gaza, so they ran this propaganda. So, I mean, how do you, how do you see this kind of citizen journalism developing, right? I mean, how do you, how do you see, because it's been very powerful, um, yeah, definitely. The fact is, um, you know, uh, as a part of my job in Minute Numbers, as the outreach coordinator, we've get uh, we've been getting a lot of requests to have speakers from Gaza to actually speak to the entire world about what is happening. The fact is, uh, Israel uh, controls the borders here, and they wouldn't allow journalists from the international community to enter Gaza to document what is actually happening. It actually gives us the chance to actually speak up and to actually represent uh, what is happening here ourselves. So uh, a good part that has, has been actually developing in Gaza is that everyone is learning how to be a journalist. Everyone is learning that you are the voice 
of Gaza. You are the voice of Palestine. And you, as many languages as you know in Excel, you got to use all of that to get the Palestinian voice amplified and reach out to the world. Uh, unfortunately, as I told you, like we, I feel like we are being fought on so many levels. One of them is the media. And when you, whenever you talk about the media, the media is not always fair. Like even those people like from different outlets, they try to contact us, uh, particularly in one of numbers and try to take uh, testimonies from Gaza. When we send those, sometimes, and this happens, and I need to actually focus on it, is that they actually try to manipulate what is being said. They try to manipulate the questions. They try to just take what they want. They try to focus on whatever they like need to support whatever they believe in. And then they would ignore the rest and they would neglect the facts. So basically, uh, as important as it is for us in Gaza, Palestinian uh, youth activists to be speaking out to the world, yes, we are doing our best to get the Palestinian voice amplified and reach out there, but we're actually using our own platforms right now. As I told you, we are doing our best to just be going live and on so many platforms and we're trying to just reach uh, to the world ourselves so that we make sure that we're not being manipulated, we're not being questioned, we're not the, the fact doesn't get uh, changed or modified or whatsoever. Well, thank you, Ride. I mean, just before I go on, a few points from people. Uh, Halla says, Halla Showman says, um, She's talking about uh, in, uh, war crimes. She says Israel rejects the court's decision to probe alleged war crimes uh, while they occupied uh, while they occupied the West Bank, Gaza, and East Jerusalem in the 1967 Middle East War. Uh, Alan says um, a Le Monde journalist, uh, a French journalist, Le Monde journalist, said that if if it was the case that alleged Hamas staff uh, were truly targeted by the Israelis, why did the Israelis warn them? and bomb an empty building, if not to silence coverage of the attacks, which is a very interesting point, of course, because as you all know, this is what keeps on being reported to us, that these buildings are being attacked because they're being used by Hamas, but then they tell people to evacuate them before they attack them. So that's a, that's quite a good point from, um, from Alan there. Ali Lipson um, has said, I have to leave, but I'm so thankful for the opportunity to hear all of you speak. Please keep, keep, keep working hard. Jewish people stand with you. God bless. Um, Can I look, just comment? Yeah. Also, then, yeah. we must, then we must, must move to Hala, but you please do. Yes, of course. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, but I just want to like put their small comment is that first you need to know that we don't always get warning when the bombardment happens. So uh, in so many cases, like during this war, especially, especially this war, we actually get bombed without any notifications, without any warning, without whatsoever. And sometimes, sometimes, when they actually want to bomb you, they would bomb you with a smaller bombardment before the bigger one comes. So yeah. uh, don't don't get tricked. And the fact is, uh, a lot of citizens, like most of the mortars here in Gaza, like their citizens, their children. I could give numbers, but I will leave that to Hala. Well, so, I mean, yeah, one of our very yeah. close friends at Palestine Deep Dive, um, uh, a journalist, Mohammed Omar. Uh, who now works for the United Nations. He's won awards for his reporting, a very brave young man. I've known him for 10, 15 years. His family home was attacked last week. Just blown up. And for, fortunately, you know, his mother was with someone else and, and he was not in Gaza. But it's but this, it bears out all that you're saying. Um, Hala, if I might come to you and you just tell me if, um, you know, if, you, if this is not really uh, something that, that you, uh, you know, have been following. But I mean, it's a, 
a question that's being raised around the world. You're seeing enormous outpourings of international solidarity, um, and but there's a lot of questioning about the attitude of some governments in the Middle East, um, not least those that have already signed agreements. The uh, I think they were the Abraham Accords. They were called as Trump, um, the Trump Accords with uh, the UAE, with Bahrain, with Morocco, with South Sudan. What, what do people feel about uh, these governments and these peace deals, even though none of those countries we just talked about then have ever been at war with Israel? What do people think about this, the lack yeah. of solidarity from those governments? Um, first of all, we need to understand that um, the Israeli occupation and colonizing power is a very powerful, um, has a very powerful place in the Middle East. And some of the governments are very much interested and have some connections and um, uh, relations with them. Um, funding for equipment, as we know, Israel is the most uh, one of the most powerful um, advanced military um, uh, powers, and not just that, it's one of the best exporters of military uh, in the world that has ex um, export uh, military equipment, which is, um, uh, you know, it's, um, uh, it's uh, battle tested. So it has been tested over our bodies, killings. Um, uh, among that, there is the economic advancement and everything. So those countries, governments of those countries uh, have so many interests that they might um, want to be in agreements with Israel. Um, that's what they, uh, they did. That was very much um, disappointing for us as Palestinians. Anyone who's um, who have like a little bit of uh, justice in, in their mind of, of believing in human rights and that um, a population of people shouldn't live under apartheid state under colonization. However, uh, we know that uh, those governments are all um, uh, you know uh, uh, complicit, also um, um, dealing in a bad way with their own uh, communities. And, um, and we're calling the communities not to accept that and reject it. Uh, many of those countries have already been uh, in demonstrations since the agreement and normalization happened uh, with Israel. And we have seen also uh, those countries going outside, rejecting the occupation, the apartheid, calling for freeing Palestine from the occupation, and uh, also calling for rejecting and stopping the normalization between their governments and the Israeli uh, colonial states. So um, we're happy that the communities are moving. We're happy that they're becoming more and more aware. They're happy that they are rejecting the decisions of their governments, uh, the decisions that were taken without their acceptance or approval. And we're, we're wishing that uh, those governments stop uh, the agreements between um, them and Israel. Uh, as you said, I'm, uh, I'm a Palestinian. Uh, I'm, I'm not a, a politician. I'm a, a normal person living in Ghana uh, as a refugee. I don't have a political, much political knowledge. However, every Palestinian within Palestine is, um, uh, is, uh, is politically oriented because our personal life is political all the time. Since 73 years old, since the occupation and colonization started, every person has become political. I mean, for, for, for people seeing um, the situation unfold um, in Gaza and right across Palestine, uh, 
people who have been around longer say, oh, well, this happens quite regularly. Um, there's an uprising, and then the Israelis, they call it, the Netanyahu and his people, they call it mowing the grass. But what yeah. seems to be different this time is that this revolt is happening right across the occupied territories, of Gaza and the West Bank and East Jerusalem and in Israel. And uh, it's a very, very powerful, deeply rooted response, it seems to me. So do you, can you, can, from where you are, can you, you can't travel, you can't go to Jerusalem, you can't go to Jenin or Nablus or Hebron or any of these places, but are you able to um, communicate with other friends and colleagues and you know, uh, people elsewhere in occupied Palestine? Can, can you... Are you on, can you see what's happening elsewhere, right across Palestine? Okay, thank you, Mark. Um, first of all, I'm sorry. I, I don't know about the situation around me with huge bombardment. Just a few, just a, a minute before, if my family came to evacuate or something, I will let you know. However, going back to the question, what's happening now uh, all over the, uh, the historical Palestinian occupied land is. Um, uh, is something admiring. The Israeli occupation have been trying to segment the Palestinian land in a military way since 1948. They have uh, called Palestinians living in 48 areas as Arabs. They have they called the West Bank uh, people as uh, uh, West Bank Palestinians and people living in Jerusalem as uh, East Jerusalem um, Arabs also. And Gaza have been called as um, like Hamas or something. So they're, they're trying to remove um, our identity. They're trying to uh, to, to take that uh, from us. Um, at the same time, what we're seeing now is that the situation that started in, in Sheikh Jarrah with the ethnic cleansing attempts of the Israeli occupation and the, the court, uh, Israeli court decision to remove uh, 28 Palestinian families from their residential places, their homes that they lived in, um, uh, by force and, um, uh, uh, and by attacks and, um, and to put the illegal settlers in their places at the same um, uh, they were having so many attacks over them uh, peaceful um, lovely worshippers in our holiest month in Ramadan in uh, Jerusalem in Aqsa Mosque and uh, that in Palestine and all over the world very much angry how could a such illegal uh, attempts happens in 2021 and no one moves? So people in all Palestine have started to move. It wasn't like um, a, a united decision, but it was a personal decision that was taken from each person and it showed unity. Uh, like Dr. Uh, they said, uh, it might be an uh, intifada, it might be uprising. Mm. What's happening now? Um, it's just collectively, all Palestine were rejecting the occupation, were rejecting the colonization, the apartheid state, this illegal and aggression, continual ag aggressive behaviors on all the Palestinians and the silence of the world. We don't accept the silence anymore. And we don't accept the terms that I this um, the silence IDF. They are not uh, defensive forces, they are occupation forces. We don't accept conflict. It's not a conflict. It's occupation and occupied uh, occupation of Israel, occupied territory, Indian. It's oppressors and oppressed. 
uh, it's colonial power and colonized population. So we're, we're changing the narrative. No, we're not changing it. We're reviving it. We're saying it loudly now. And everyone's listening and people are using this narrative finally. Genocide, apartheid is used. Palestine is used. End of colonial occupation and settler colonial occupation. So it's a changing. Hala, it's fascinating what you're saying, because I, I'm thinking as you're talking about the Western media and the British media and what I've been listening to, and very often it's reporting of, uh, of equals in conflict, as though somehow um, Palestinians and Israelis are equal, and the equal numbers of people have been killed on both sides, which is nonsensical. But also, interestingly, from what you were saying too, um, about uh, how uh, people are referred to. So on the BBC last Sunday, we, we did hear uh, referred to Israel and fighting against Gaza. We heard about uh, Israeli Arabs and we heard about Palestinian Arabs. Everything that you've just said, we have been hearing in our media. So it's very, very powerful that. And um, so so thank you, actually. Thank you very much for that, because I think Hello? that is still with our me? minds, um, this reality. Um, are you are you having to are you having uh, to Hala? We may we may have lost uh, Hala there. Um, hopefully she's safe, and hopefully we can come back to her. Um, but Bazard, as uh, as we're, we're waiting to see what's happening there, I wonder if I could come to you because uh, you know, when I was when I was growing up, I remember the in Rhodesia the white settlers. They thought their lives would never change, that there would never be majority rule. They were very surprised when they were criticized, and it was the same in South Africa. Um, do you have any hope that uh, you know, Israelis themselves are now being persuaded that this situation cannot continue, this occupation cannot continue? Or do you see that actually more Israelis are falling into this hard line camp of refusing to refusing to admit that 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 this occupation cannot continue what do you think um yeah i have a hope i have a hope that, that, that things are changing and and this hope is based on a current evidence um for example we have seen um multiple Jews in America and in, in Europe that are stand with Palestinians, that are inviting other Israelis to stand with Palestinians. Also from uh, from, from inside Israel itself, they were marching that, uh, and this is not new, it's, it's known that some of them, um, even if they were few, they are going now, now they are uh, listening and hearing the other side of the narrative that Hala talked about. Um, they, they form. I, I believe that they are going to be convinced. Um, I know that there's sometimes that the hard truth. Um, it's difficult to believe, but what Israel is doing right now is not about is not about politics. Is what IDF, what what the political forces in Israel is doing is not about politics. Is not about religion. Is not about uh, ethnicity. Um, and this is th this has been shown um, by the by the solidarity from Arabs inside, inside Israel, from some Israelis themselves, and also from uh, from people all, all over uh, the world. Um, another point is that um, 
in London, for example, last week, though there was more than 150,000 people who were he who went out to stand with Palestine. This we 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 won't see this in the past, and this is happening all over the world. So this change is a is a promising. It's giving is giving hope for our uh, for our resistance, for our hard work, for our refusing to be oppressed, to, for our refusing to be uh, to be occupied. I hear um, a British in a march stand with Gaza. He said this literally: "Your fight is inspiring. It gives hope." So I believe that there are many nations, many people around the world that they are need this hope um, to change their reality. Um, and when they found that we are achieving and making changes in our cause, um, this is this is amazing. This is fascinating that they can also uh, uh, have this change. They can speak from one to one, from east to middle to west, and then people inside Israel themselves can finally be guaranteed. This is going that this must have an end. That. Palestinians are not a second-class humans. They have, uh, they should have equal rights. Uh, they should have uh, the very basic human rights. Um, uh, this is my answer. Thank you, Bazard. I mean, there, there's going to be another huge demonstration in in London this coming weekend. Uh, we understand, and last weekend, as you said, well over a hundred thousand people in London. Uh, Eighty-eight separate demonstrations across uh, the UK. That's just one country, and this is happening right across the world. Um, there is an enormous amount of solidarity. And uh, by the way, we lost Hala there. Um, Hala, welcome back. Um, I, you, you said the area was again heavily bombarded. Uh, and of course, you know, that yeah. it's, um, it's, uh, it's it, well, I mean, this is kind of real time. Uh, and this is what is actually happening. There's, this, this is this is the truth. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely shocking and appalling. And um, I suppose, what I'd like to do if I can just to, because sadly, we have to conclude in a, in a few minutes. Um, you know, I wanted to try and sort of leave on a if it's possible, on an optimistic note. And to be fair, you know, just then, what you were saying, Bazad, was very optimistic in terms of solidarity. But if I could start with you, right, and just briefly, all three of you, what do you want to see from the international community? And what do you want to see from everybody out here in the rest of the world who supports the cause of Palestine? What, do you, what would you like us to be doing? Raid, can you can you give us an idea? Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, I, I would love for the world to actually uh, share our stories. Uh, we actually have been writing a lot of stories, especially during this time, because uh, as I said, we are not numbers, and uh, we're trying to get everyone's story out there, and we're trying to get the world to learn more about the situation, to be educated. We're trying to get the world that uh, they can actually uh, support us in, in many ways. Like, uh, please boycott the street projects, uh, join the BDS movement. Uh, please, uh, you, you can always actually take action. You can always see like how you actually can make a Palestinian life better because every Palestinian life matters. 
Um, I, I think that the action that has been going on around the world right now is really good. But as for the future, I hope that one day we can actually get this radio occupation held accountable to, to its crimes and its massacres. Uh, as we always say, ICC for Israel. So please, everyone, don't stop right there. Because if you stop, that means more of us are going to be killed. Right? Is gonna be killed. His family is going to be killed. Everyone here is going to be killed. So um, keep the support, keep the love, uh, keep spreading the truth, keep taking action, keep protesting. And it's free Palestine. It's free Gaza. Gaza doesn't have to be uh, under this really blockade. Uh, still, I mean, it's been over 15 years. That's enough. And uh, I think, uh, as Bahazad said, we all deserve to live in peace and love, to have human rights. We're not asking for too much. We're just asking for human rights. Thank you, Raid. Hala, the same question to you, if I may. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Um, as um, as Jared said, the most important thing is to deal with us as humans. You've all have seen us. You know our faces. You know our voices. And uh, this is three of uh, more than two million people are being under all aggressions for more than seventy-three years. And we need all of you to remember us, not to forget us if the situation gets a little bit eased on the media, but not on the reality because we're on a continuous um, uh, situation of aggression. The most important thing is to stop, to ask the government to stop uh, funding Israel. Those funds and those taxes that everyone pays are killing each one of us. I think our children are fund military equipment that's been marked as um, uh, the uh, battle uh, tested. So stop the funding. Uh, U.S. itself annually fund um, uh, the Israeli military army $3.8 billion. This is just a year. And uh, this is the first thing. The second thing we need is to compare Continue with this, continue with education, with awareness, with going for demonstrations, continue for fighting and um, and going us, send your uh, tell them about the situation. I'm sorry, it's getting um, louder and louder. Uh, continue this uh, this marching and going us uh, out for, for all of us. Free Palestine to end the apartheid and to end the, the situation. I try to uh, press your governments to stop them, um, uh, to put sanctions on Israel uh, so they can stop the apartheid and the situation. And don't forget that the UK had the first hand on this colonial situation in Palestine. They were the government that promised Israel um, this land as their uh, in, in nation, in nation land. And they started all of that. So the UK have the best situation to stop all of that and they should be uh, at this uh, and please everyone don't forget what Albert Einstein have once said this world wouldn't be distracted by people who are evil but either with those people who are silent why all of that is happening around them thank you thank you very much Hala. thank you very very much Azad just uh, to you finally if we may yeah um my word is, would be uh, for the people, especially in the West and the US, um, please, please give yourself a space to hear the other side of the narrative. Do not allow yourself to be, to be manipulated. I've always heard that West media don't allow for citizens citizen to be manipulated, but the reality is that they have been manipulated all the, all the last time. And this time, the, real, the, the fact um, and the reality have been shown to them. Um, make like a little effort. 
uh, ask questions. Um, if you hear uh, a, a report on news in, in the official media, uh, now we have a strong mean the social media. We have uh, uh, docu documentaries that it is evidence um, from all over all parts of the world. Just do a little research, ask questions, seek people who might provide you the second part of the story, people who might have uh, the knowledge. Um, uh, because as, uh, as my colleagues said, you, if, if you just easily uh, hear the, the information or the news and accepted it, this very easily, you, I think you contributed in the, you are contributing in the killing that is occurring right now. So my advice is give yourself this chance of hearing the other side, the other people. And if you ask me why, because a 73 year old conflict that keep arising from time to time, from time to time, that is not resolving this, th there might be something special with it. There might be something wrong with, with the, the, the information you receive and you need to hear the other side, there might be right and there might be honest. And I believe that we Palestinians, we are right and we are honest. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Bazad. That's very, very powerful. Thank you. Um, Ray, there's a, there's a, well, actually, this is you. I invite you all to read our stories on we'renotnumbers.org and social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, and you can also subscribe to our newsletter and donate as well. Uh, please do. Please do, everybody. Um, and please share this far and wide. Um, the edited version will be up. Shortened parts of it will be up. We want to get the message from all of our three wonderful guests today out as far and wide as is possible. We don't often hear from people, real people, on the ground who have been battling away uh, we don't hear we don't hear this, so it's very very powerful. And 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 thank you very much. You know we have a situation whereby you know Raya has been under you know bombardment. So you know thank you very much for sticking through with all of us. Keep safe, keep safe, all of you. And um and thank you, thank you very much, Allah. Um, you in particular keep safe because it's been very difficult. And we thank you for bearing with us all throughout, um, because, you know, we, we know that, the, that there have been, uh, there's been bombs dropped near, near you. We can hear this. Um, thank you, Bazad. Thank you, Ride, um, very, very much. And, and from all of us here at Palestine Deep Dive, uh, uh, thank you. Join us again um, and uh, solidarity. Thank you. Thank you.